Hi, this is Sean Fenske, editor of MPO and ODT Magazines, and I'm uh, here today once again with another episode of Mike on MedTech, featuring uh, Mike Drews of Vascular Sciences. Today we uh, are going to be talking about uh, labeling concerns and specifically off-label use, what's permitted, what's not permitted, uh, advertising off-label, uh, just a, a variety of different topics uh, around the confusion that can, can be associated with this topic. So without any further ado, Mike, uh, thanks for joining us once again on, on this episode of Mike on MedTech. Well, thank you, Sean. It's always a pleasure to speak with you and your audience. Great. Well, uh, for, you know, for those who may not be entirely sure exactly what we're talking about today, can you just quickly give a brief explanation of what off-label is? That's a great place to start, Sean. So off-label use is a very commonly used buzz phrase, um, but you're right. I think a lot of people don't know exactly what it means, or some people probably think they know what it means, but uh, maybe they really don't. So let me share with you my definition of off-label use. This is not necessarily FDA's definition, but the Mike Drew's definition of off-label use is very simple. It's using a product, a medical device, or for that matter, a drug or anything else, but we're talking about medical devices here. So using a medical device in a way that is not consistent or is inconsistent with what's on the product label. Off-label does not mean good or bad. There are a lot of people in industry as well as FDA who are under the, uh, the false belief, in my opinion, that if a product, a medical device is used off-label, um, that means that it's bad. That means that there, might not, there, there, there would not be data, clinical data, for example, to support it. That is absolutely not necessarily the case. In fact, there are a lot of very, very legitimate uh, examples of off-label use, and in many cases, the standard of care, that is what we teach in medical school, is uh, actually an off-label use of a product, and there are many, many examples of that. But simply put, off-label use means using a, a medical device in a way that is not consistent or inconsistent with what's on a product's label. And I think uh, important to, to point out, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but this would include using a product, say, in the U.S., where it's under the oversight of FDA, that you know is being used in this way in Europe and is, is approved, has the CE mark for this use, say, for the last, you know, five years, but using it in the U.S. where it's not approved for that use uh, because of FDA regulation would be considered off-label. Yeah, that's a, actually a very good point, Sean. Uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to clarify that. So when I say using a product in a way that's not consistent or inconsistent with what's on its label, of course, here in the United States, I'm referring to the FDA cleared or approved label. So if you have a device that is labeled for something um, in the EU, for example, it has a CE mark, uh, but that same use is not labeled uh, here in the United States, then, of course, that would still be considered off-label. So, you know, you said, in your opinion, off-label doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. What, what's the, where's the line between, between what's allowed in terms of off-label use and what's not? Well, that's a great question, Sean. So it kind of depends on who you're asking. 
In other words, from the medical device manufacturer's perspective, they are only, quote-unquote, allowed to advertise or market their device according to what's on the uh, FDA cleared or approved label, although as we can talk about, there are a ton of exceptions to that. There are tons of ways to get around it. Um, but looking at it from the physician's perspective, of course, an, uh, a physician can use any medical device any way that they want. Why? Because that is the um, practice of medicine, and FDA does not regulate the practice of medicine. In other words, FDA cannot tell physicians what to do. They can only tell us, meaning industry, what to do. So manufacturers are limited um, to what's on the label. Physicians, on the other hand, are not. Uh, just, uh, just a quick side note, because, because of that, uh, differentiation. I'm just curious, where does it, and this may be a more complex question, I may be opening up Pandora's box here, but where, <laughs> okay. does, the, where does the uh, liability come into play when a physician indicates off-label use of a product that has not, that has specifically not been, you know, uh, identified by a manufacturer. Is the device manufacturer then still liable for the physician's use of that device, even if they didn't advocate that use in any way? Well, that's a terrific question, Sean. And by the way, I think you and some in your audience know me. I love to open up Pandora's boxes. <laughs> I do it all the time. So let's use, since you, since you uh, started to open that box, let's open it a little bit further. Okay. Uh, first of all, my standard caveat, uh, my disclaimer, and that is I'm not a, an, an attorney, nor do I play one on TV. Right. Um, but a growing part of my business is acting as an expert in um, medical product liability, medical device uh, product liability cases. And I've been involved in several cases like you just described. So let me give you a not-so-hypothetical example. Let's say that a physician is using one of your medical devices in a patient, and they're using it off-label, and something bad happens to the patient, what we call an adverse event. Mm -hmm. And you, as a manufacturer, get sued. And, of course, you will, without a doubt, get sued. Can you, as the medical device manufacturer, be held liable for something that bad that happens to that patient as a result of your medical device, even though your medical device is being used off-label? What do you think, Sean? Uh, um, well, obviously, you can be sued. You can be, can be uh, uh, sued for that in a court of law. I would hope that the device manufacturer would not be found liable, but I'm frightened by what you're about to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, here's, here's the answer. Um, the manufacturer, of course, can get sued, and you can get sued uh, for anything that, that somebody wants to. Right, right, but if you remember, the question was, can the man medical, device be held, medical device company be held liable? Uh, meaning, can the, can the plaintiff win the lawsuit? And the short answer is, yes, the medical device company can be held liable for something bad happening to the patient caused by their device, even if it's being caused because of off-label use, if, and here's the important caveat, if the uh, uh, opposing counsel can show, and this is the phrase that my attorney friends like to use, the company knew or should have known or was thinking about 
this as a possible off-label use. It's what we call anticipated off-label use. Anticipated off-label use. So what the heck does anticipated off-label use mean? That means that the opposing counsel can show that even though this particular use is not on the currently cleared or approved label, the manufacturer knew or should have known or was thinking about uh, the fact that it that it would or could be used this way, perhaps because it is already the standard of care, perhaps because, as you just mentioned a few minutes ago, this is the way that the same device is used elsewhere in the world, like in, in Europe or someplace like that. So if it's an anticipated off-label use, uh, the manufacturer can be held liable. And so this goes well beyond just simply what is on the FDA-approved label. Product li- the, the intersection between product liability and regulatory is a very interesting one. So, so this is ultimately why we have on a toaster, uh, do not use in bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not familiar with the liability of toasters, um, Sean, but I suspect that's probably true. Okay, so, so a topic that, that relates to this uh, is something that we've done in a previous podcast, real-world evidence. So how are off-label use and real-world evidence connected? It's a great question. So just as a reminder for those that did not hear that previous um, uh, podcast, real-world evidence is a relatively new buzz phrase, although it has been around for some of us for quite a while, uh, at the FDA. Historically, FDA has not been keen on accepting real-world evidence. Real-world evidence is data collected about a medical device uh, not as a part of a formal what we call randomized clinical trial or or RCT. In other words, um, it's how that particular device is used in the real world. And because it is real world and because, as we talked about before, FDA does not regulate the practice of medicine, then by definition, real-world evidence does often include off-label use because many, many medical devices, I would argue uh, (laughs) a very significant percentage of medical devices are used off-label, not just occasionally, but, uh, but, uh, you know, as a matter of routine. So real-world evidence will include, obviously, some uh, on-label use, no question about it, but it will also include uh, off-label use as well. The reason why I think real-world evidence is so important is because it is much more realistic uh, than a randomized clinical trial where everything is so very carefully controlled and so on. It's more representative of, of the real world. And with the, uh, the change in administration in Washington and the new FDA commissioner, uh, Dr. Gottlieb, uh, shares the opinion that a few of us, myself included, uh, have had for a number of years, and that is that real-world evidence should be more acceptable to the FDA than it has been in the past. To be fair, they have made some progress in this area, but um, in my opinion, not enough. It's, it's, uh, it's taking a long time for them to swallow that proverbial pill. So, so down the road, who knows you know, how long, we could potentially see a case where, you know, manufacturer launches a device for clinical application A. Physicians begin using that device for clinical application B, which it is not FDA approved. It is an 
off-label use of that device. The company, knowing that it's being used in that way, could then potentially, down the road again, take that, th those clinical situations and that data and use it as a FDA submission to then get that application cleared for their device. That's exactly right, Sean. You're spot on correct. And in the regulatory vernacular, uh, and this is one of my favorite uses of real-world evidence, in the regulatory vernacular, you're describing what we call a label expansion. In other words, we bring a device onto the market for one thing, and then while it's on the market, as you just said, people are using it for other things. We collect that data, we collect that information so that we don't have to go through the time and expense of collecting it uh, separately, especially in the form of a randomized clinical trial. And then we submit that to the FDA as a label expansion in order to um, be able to add that to our label and then obviously advertise it with that new indication. Uh, so that's one of many examples of uh, how real-world evidence um, can be very valuable uh, to companies, can sa save them a heck of a lot of time and money. But I must say, I, might put a, I must put a small but important caveat on that, and that is the most legitimate criticism of real-world evidence, in my opinion, and I, and I agree with this, is that the quality of that evidence has to be good. In other words, some people, you know, would say that real-world evidence, the quality of that evidence is not as good as in a randomized clinical trial. In some cases, that's true. In other cases, it's not. You know, on the flip side, I've seen uh, randomized clinical trial data where, in my opinion, the quality is pretty crappy. So just because data comes from an RCT doesn't necessarily mean it's good. Conversely, just because data comes from real-world evidence doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad. Um, we, you know, I have a problem with, with sweeping stereotypes or generalizations. We have to take these things on a case-by-case -case basis. Okay, so we have a, a, a situation where clinicians, physicians are using a device successfully with, a, with an off-label use, uh, using it in an off-label manner. You know, the average, the, I'm sorry, the, the manufacturer is fully aware of this, knows it. They say, you know what, this device is better for that application, and we would get even more business for that application than we do now for, the, for what it's approved for. We're going to, you know, FDA be damned, we're, we're advertising, <laughs> we're advertising that use uh, sure, we'll do it a little bit on the down low. We'll, you know, do it do it uh, quietly as, as possible. But we're going to start advertising that. I mean, who, what, what's, what's going to happen when FDA finds out, comes knocking? What's the result? Is somebody going to jail? Are they paying, you know, a million-dollar fine? What's, what's, what happens? Well, you know, Sean, I think uh, if I were to simplify the question that you just asked, which is a terrific question, I think the question that you're really asking is, is a company allowed to advertise the off-label use of their device? Exactly. And if you ask the vast majority of regulatory professionals out there, they would say, no, a company cannot advertise the off-label use of a product. But average regulatory professionals know the rules. The best ones know the exceptions. That's what the textbook says, that you cannot advertise off-label use. But the simple reality is there are so many ways around that 
that it's quite frankly laughable. So let me share with you and your audience another not-so-hypothetical scenario. Let's say that uh, somebody in your company is walking down the hall of a hospital one day, and they, they meet one of your physician co uh, customers, and they say, oh, Dr. Smith, um, uh, nice to see you. How is the wife and kids? Or I don't want to be sexist, Sean. How is the husband and kids? Uh, by the way, have you seen your colleague, Dr. Jones' article just published last week in the Journal of Esoteric blah, blah, blah? And you don't say anything more about it than just that. And, oh, by the way, that article happens to be a case report on the off-label use of one of your devices. Does that constitute advertising? Um, it's not a simple uh, question. FDA has now put out three guidances, and there's a fourth one actually coming out soon, specifically telling people, telling companies how they can advertise the off-label use of their product. What it comes down to is how you define the word advertise. So can a company go out and actively uh, uh, in a DTP ad on the TV, or um, uh, or, or or you know, talking to a to a surgeon. Oh, Doctor Smith, why don't you use our device this way, which is not consistent with with what's on our label? No, you cannot do that. However, if the doctor comes to you and says, "Hey, I would like to use your product off label. Can you give me some information to tell me about how I can do that?" The company is allowed to have that information prepared, and it is allowed to give, to, give it to the physician with one important um, caveat, and that is as long as the physician instigates the inquiry, the company cannot do it. The physician has to ask first. And how do you get the physician to ask first? Well, again, there's lots of ways, but just recall that uh, not-so-hypothetical scenario that I just shared where you're walking through the, the hall of the hospital, dot, dot, dot. So... Again, there's, a, there's a, so many ways to get around this um, that it's really become sort of a cat and mouse game, which is, which is very, very unfortunate. Is there, and, and I think I probably already know the answer to this, but I'm not sure, so I'll ask. Is there any sort of way that a, a manufacturer, a device manufacturer, can encourage uh, through perhaps financial means or, or just through honest, you know, hey, it, it makes you look like an industry leader, et cetera, just boosting the ego. Is there any way that a device manufacturer can encourage the publishing, or I should say the submission of an article, you know, that uses their device in an off-label manner by a physician to a, say, a peer-reviewed clinical journal? Uh, uh, of course there are. And listen, I don't want to go so far as to as to say that you know companies pay physicians you know cash to do such things, but suffice it to say there are much more subtle ways to do it. Let me give you another not so hypothetical example. And you know, obviously, you and your audience should keep in mind the fact that we're having a uh, you know sort of a, a general discussion, right? This is not to be considered uh, you know legal advice, as they say in the in the ads, you know, on, right. on the radio and so on. Um, um, but I have a company that I'm working with right now where we happen to notice that on their competitor's website, this is a 510K device, on their competitor's website, they have uh, publications on their website uh, that actually advocate the off-label use of their own medical device. 
to be fair, these were not publications, as far as we can tell, that have anything directly to do with the company. These were publications, actually, in this case, in peer-reviewed journals. As far as we can tell, the funding for the study uh, was not from the company. But this particular company has these particular publications on the company's website, right smack next to the description of their device and so on and so on. So once again, is that advertising? There are a lot of subtle ways to do this. One thing, though, that I do want to caution your audience, because this is an important point. I don't want people, you know, listening to this podcast and then going out to, to their, the folks, you know, the colleagues in their company and said, oh, I just listened to this uh, uh, podcast with this wackadoodle Drews guy, and he said <laughs> that it's okay to, to advertise the off-label use of our, of our device. No, that's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is uh, if you choose to do this, be, as, uh, uh, as Elmer Fudd said in Bugs Bunny, very, very, very careful. Because if you do this wrong, and unfortunately some companies do do this wrong, uh, as you alluded to earlier, Sean, you might not just have yourself uh, having problems with, with the FDA. You might be dealing with the uh, FBI as well. And let me tell you, the Department of Justice, those folks don't mess around. No, so, I imagine that. Yeah, be, be very, very careful. All right, well, unfortunately, I think that's all the time we have for this uh, this episode of Mike on MedTech. Always a pleasure. I mean, this has been a very, very interesting one, and I hope people got some some level of clarity on, on off-label use and maybe have some ideas on, you know, what they're allowed and what they're not. But, uh, you know, if you have any questions on off-label use or if you have a suggestion for a future topic that we could tackle on Mike on MedTech, please email me. The email address is Svensky at rodmanmedia.com and I'll also post it below on the MPO website uh, but for Mike Drews I'd like to thank you for listening to uh, another episode talk to you next time <laughs>